This episode is brought to you by the NHL on TNT. When it comes to hockey, the Stanley Cup playoffs are built different. Experience the intensity and insanity on the ice and off it. Starting May 5th on TNT and TBS. Get ready for seven game rounds of knockdowns, dragouts, pressure, and agony as teams go head to head without ever letting up. The Stanley Cup playoffs are known for more than just a few cracked ribs and black eyes. Pushing through pain is the name of the game. With so much edge of your seat action, you'll refuse to shave or change your sweater. Don't say we didn't warn you. Ready to feel the rush? Watch the Stanley Cup playoffs beginning May 5th on TNT and TBS. This episode is brought to you by Simple Mobile. Tired of being tied down with a wireless contract? Switch to Simple Mobile and stay connected on a powerful nationwide 5G network. Unlimited talk, text, and data starts at $30 a month with no contracts, activation fees, or credit checks. Visit simplemobile.com today. Out with the old, in with the simple. Compatible 5G-capable device and SIM require. Actual availability, coverage, and speed may vary. 5G network not available in all areas. One month equals 30 days. See terms and conditions at simplemobile.com. Good morning, Unmatch the Hatch Nation. What's up, guys? Welcome to Unmatch the Hatch Podcast, where we have discussions on fly fishing, hunting, and the great outdoors with our hosts, Landon, Zach, Ian, and Cliff. You can find our website at honeyholeangling.com. Our email is honeyholeangling at gmail.com. And our YouTube channel, Facebook page, and Instagram can be found at honeyholeangling. If you like our podcast, please leave us a review. And we are still waiting on more written reviews for our contest. So if you guys want to go on and write us a written review, when we get to 10 written reviews, we will draw for a uh, Hill Country Fly Fishers kit donated by Kevin Hutchinson that includes lots of fun stuff like his Texas famous book, Fly Fishing in Texas Hill Country, and other goodies. Is the reviews only coming through iTunes? Well, I've been checking other mediums, so um, uh, I would say for the reviews, iTunes would be ideal. If you're listening on iTunes, that's great. But also, I think you can leave a review on Google Podcasts and also Spotify. And our podcast is on a couple other mediums, but I have been checking those as well. I would say we'll count anything, but given the option, most pod people listen to podcasts through iTunes. I think 70% of our podcast listeners are through iTunes, so, um, but if you leave a review anywhere, we'll, we'll, we'll find it. still qualify. Yeah, I'll still qualify. And, uh, if you don't leave your name on the review, then we'll just, we'll announce the winner and then you guys can message us, but we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. I think we're on episode seven though. Is this number seven? Yeah, this is seven. Wow. Seems like we started just yesterday. Seven weeks ago. Just yesterday. It does feel weird. We did a podcast like two days ago, and now we're recording again. Right. Yeah. So we don't have any really cool stories. No, and yeah, um, hard to get cool, cool stories after well, two days of. Well, me and McKenna cool. have been playing pickleball. I saw yeah. that, and it is super fun. You guys know what it is? Yeah, it's like racquetball. Not racquetball. It's like ping pong and tennis. Yeah, it's like ping pong and tennis. Basically, you play on a smaller tennis court. And you play with larger ping pong battles, and you hit a wiffle ball. And um, do you want it to hit the ground? So 
the interesting thing about this sport is that the first two hits, so that you serve it, when it crosses the net, it has to bounce. That person returns it, then it has to bounce. After that, the ball does not have to bounce. So the first two it hits... Can ha- it can bounce. It can bounce okay. once, can't bounce twice, but you can also hit it out of the air after that. So what inevitably ends up happening is that you move closer to the net as volleys go on longer. And... Um, yeah, that's that's the interesting thing about it. You don't end up playing back the whole time like you do tennis. You end up a lot of times very close to the net, and you can get hit sharper angles when you're close to the net. Now, why is this place called Chicken and Pickle? Does do it they sell chicken? chicken? No, it's actually a restaurant as well. Okay, and it's a hangout. They have a like life size battleship game board too and they have all kinds of other stuff that's super fun. It's like just a cool outdoor place to go hang out. They serve it's a restaurant, they serve chicken. Wait, I don't, I don't know what that is, Cliff. Um and you can just go hang out and play like, you know, Big Jenga or like Connect Four, like on a big board. They have all kinds of games and stuff. It's just a cool hangout. But they also have six I think eleven pickleball courts. How busy was it when you guys were there? Well, uh, it's been pretty busy, but we've been going after five. Yeah. Um, and it's either you can reserve a court, and it's like $20 to reserve a court for an hour, or it's $5 per person if you free play. So you can just go free play on an open court. It's $5 per person. Oh, that's cool. So me and McKenna, to like value-wise it, we're going to try to pick times where it's not going to be as busy, and we're going to try to free play. But we've played twice this week. And it's just super fun. It's a it's a great workout too. So yeah. it's more fun than going to the gym. And uh, I used to play a lot of ping pong in college. And McKenna used to play a lot of tennis. And it's really funny how when we play, you can tell the play style differences between like a tennis player versus a ping pong player. She likes to play back a lot more, and she has a lot. She plays with like a lot more power. Whereas I like to play a lot close to the net and try to get interesting angles. Who puts more spin on it? I put more spin on it. Yeah. Yeah. McKenna h- hits a lot harder. Yeah. I mean, she does like the two-handed like tennis, you know, follow through and everything. <gasps> so I end up try to move forward, but end up moving back because she hits it so far back. Mm. So it's really interesting. The first time we played, we played two games. I won both, and then last time we played, she actually won both. So we're pretty evenly matched. Um, which makes it fun too. It's not like it kind of sucks to play with people that are either way better than you or way worse than you because then it's like not fun. It's not fun. But we haven't played doubles yet. But doubles is really fun. Um, so if anybody wants to play, open That's invitation. Cool. That's the most outdoors thing I've done in the past two days. Yeah. Yeah. You guys done anything fun since we last recorded? No. No. Not since Sunday. <laughs> yeah. I went I went home afterwards, went to sleep, went to work. Went yeah, to sleep. I've done that. Went to work. Went to sleep. Yeah. Went to work. Yeah. Now I'm here. Kendall, we make I don't know if we're gonna get any flack for this, but Kendall and I actually did go to a restaurant for the first time. We went once on Friday and we went to the same place on Monday. Because it's like, went to the saucer where there's plenty of like outdoor seating. Oh, yeah. And you're all at picnic tables and stuff. Basically in my backyard. Uh, yeah, pretty Front much. Front yard, yeah, I guess. I mean, it's kind of like that. Um, just like how open it is. So, yeah, you know, we're, we don't plan on going inside anywhere anytime soon. But, mm-hmm. like, 
an outdoor patio that's pretty open, mm-hmm. we're getting com- comfortable. A lot with. of places have social distancing inside their dining room. Too. Yeah, I know. It's just uh, there's just not a lot of moving air, like moving circulation, and that's kind of what the the issue is. At least as far as like the scientists are saying, which that's how I'm looking at. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Um, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, we had questions. Um, The first question, let me pull them up. The first question, H. Cowart4 asked, is Ian single? Wait, who is H. Cowart4? Wow! I did not expect that question to be on the podcast. He should have left the tag out, man. No, I wanted to give credit. No. Um, People don't know who H. Cowart 4 is. Ian doesn't know who it is. Clearly. So it's a little disappointing. Ian, do you have a response to that question? Yes, I am. Yes, you are. So if there's any eligible listeners. Any eligible ladies, uh, you don't. I mean... Okay, this is going to get Roger real throw, quick. Throw out your um, handle. That way people know who you are. No, no, we're not going to go that far. No, if send an email to matchmaking at honeyholeangling.com. Ian, do me a favor real quick. Get on your Instagram. Okay. Type in hcoward4. Cliff's really upset by this. <laughs> no, I know who hcoward4 is, bro. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> bro, bro, I have tagged you on trips. <laughs> I, <laughs> I was trying to just throw it out there. Landon ruined it by saying the tag. I was just going to throw it out there so any female listeners would know that you're single and ready to mingle. <laughs> okay, I wouldn't go that far. I would say if you're trying to get to know me, uh, uh, and you somehow stumbled upon this podcast, follow me on Instagram, I'll start there. So you're saying that you're not single and you're not No, I am mingle? single. I'm just no not I'm ready just to single. mingle. I'm, no, no, I am single. I'm just picky. I just don't want like some random person being like, Yeah, but you have yeah. to mingle a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Oh, anyway, we'll move on. Dude, we'll move we on. don't know. And bro, we don't know. Our three female listeners now people. know that yeah. you know the ends. Ian's ready to go. Man, we got ratchet questions this week. Um, really? Well, this one... Um, Random on the fly ask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, have you ever been swarmed by wasp or bees while hunting or fishing? Yes. Yes. How'd they go? Uh, um, go ahead, Cliff. I got a story, too. I don't have, like, a true story. It, mine wasn't bad, but, I mean, I've definitely been, like, hunting before. And then just like a swarm of bees or wasp or whatever you, I couldn't even, like came out of nowhere. I just moved and I didn't end up getting any stings from it. Mm. But I mean, it's not pleasant because you're getting set up and then it's there and then you're like, well. Yeah, I, have, this I actually have a pretty recent story. Now, I'm also allergic to bees, so it is a little bit more intense. intense. Um, I've also had a lot of animals killed by bees. Not a lot. I've. I've had one dog killed by swarming, like the Africanized bees. Dang. Um, but when I took Will and Jack fishing on in Colorado like two weeks ago, one of them got stuck in a tree. Maybe Will got stuck, his fly stuck in a tree, and Jack was on the oar. So Jack rode over, and Will was like, you know, 
getting his fly, hooking his fly out, and he grabbed a branch, and he basically grabbed a hornet's nest. Oh. Yeah, and uh, Will was like, back row, back row, back row. So Jack, like, was, no one got stung miraculously. That's good. But, yeah, he grabbed a hornet's nest. It was kind of, uh, it was kind of freaky. Ian, what about you? You said you had a story? Yeah, I've walked, it's kind of happened a few times. Not like a huge storm, but um, I was, or swarm, I was going through some bushes next, I think it was at Petronellis, or one of the times I was going through all this brush, and I got stung, and I was like, what the heck? And it was a wasp, and I got stung on the arm, and I got stung on the leg, and then I got stung on the back, uh, like, of the shoulder, like through mm. the clothing, and then I just started running into the river, <laughs> and it sucks, man. I'm not allergic, but like it hurts. Yeah. yeah, and and there was a bunch of them there, and then I I got out of the bushes and I turned around and I probably saw like five or six. So there must have been like a nest in there or something. It wasn't like a huge swarm, you know, but it was. It still hurt like heck. Oh so. yeah, yeah. That's the only thing I can think of is when we were in New Mexico last year. It's not wasps or bees, but that one uh, small creek that went through the valley, there was those huge, uh, what are they, the horse flies? The horse flies. Yeah, that like, oh, dude, I don't know what it is. They look just like a large house fly, but man, they will bite you through your shirt and everything. Yeah. And it hurts it when hurts, they bite yeah. too. Um, that And there's a bunch of mosquitoes that same trip as well. Mm-hmm. And the mosquitoes there hurt as well. Like yeah. there's, It doesn't just itch, it's like. You feel when they bite you. Yeah. I've been hospitalized for bee stings, but they weren't. No way. Yeah, but they weren't hunting or fishing, so. Yeah, so it doesn't count. We, got, yeah. we don't care about those. I got swarmed yeah. by mosquitoes recording a hunting and fishing podcast. That's like, true. Two yeah. minutes ago. I haven't seen any mosquitoes. I just, every now and then, I, I get did, no, I, I get a new biter. Are so. you getting bitten still? <laughs> yeah. Do we need to pull out the other, do you have your other kit? I might pull out the thermocell in a minute. Yeah. But speaking of stings and whatnot, so the other Sunday... Sunday, or Saturday, Sunday, Saturday Sunday. after I got back, um, you know, I went to the ranch mm-hmm. to help Evan out. Um, apparently, something got into Hatch's paw, so now his front, I think it's his front left paw, is, is all swollen up and he's been limping. Dang. You don't mm. think it was a snake or anything? I don't think it's a snake, possibly scorpion. That's true. Scorpion, it could have been a bee mm. or even an ant. He could have had a yeah, bad reaction. because it's only on like his middle toe on his front paw. Okay, yeah. Uh, that's truly swollen. I've been giving him, like, low doses of Benadryl. Yeah, that's the best thing to do. letting him just kind of sleep it and chill off. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I've been dealing with that. Dap ate a spider one time, and it blew up his face like crazy. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, And this other question. I don't know if I should ask this other one. It's kind of funny. Ask it's, it just if it's it any inappropriate. Yeah, you could ask it in a way if unless you can't. Like I said, if it's risky, uh, I want I want you know I want whoever to be able to be like, hey, my kids are in the back seat. We're good. Yeah, I won't ask it the way that it's questioned, but I will ask this. I will going to vary the question. Would you use a pet hair for fly tying materials? Yes. Yeah, I would. Yeah. Have you? Yes. I have not. When did you I do have it? Not. Uh, when I used to tie. Of course, like, I never took tying super serious, so I'd tie flies out of, like, random stuff. I've used a tuft of Hatch's tail hair 
to tie a fly, and then I actually used uh, a little bit of Sam's Luscious Locks to tie a fly. Really? Wait, like Sam at the store? Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I've heard people so, tying, uh, like if they have like white fluffy dogs, they would tie like uh, cotton seeds or cottonwood seeds. Um Mm. Flies. That's interesting. Yeah, I've never done it, but it's a running joke in the house. If I'm ever tying flies and the dogs in there, and McKenna's around, I'll be like, "Gimli, come here! I need some air for fly tying," so she can hear me say it. Yeah. Gimli's got some good like fur that might be useful. Yeah, cat underbelly hair really? would be good dubbing. Yeah, Dapple doesn't really have much hair that would be useful. His hairs are so short. Yeah, you mean the apple? The apple. That's what I apple. The apple. The apple. The apple sounds like a rapper. Oh, we still need. Speaking of the apple, we need a description for the website. For what does the it apple. say right now? It says it he's says the, nothing. No, it says something. No, he has a he has a job he's title. A researcher. He, he has oh podcast researcher because he was like looking at the, the he's on the iPad. <laughs> but there's no like written description. Oh yeah. My favorite's Ian's dog. Yeah, Ian has a cool dog. I re- okay, I do not have a dog. How did this turn into like is Ian single and Ian has like a dog named Coco? It was like the most it's been the looking dog ever. Like, are you kidding me? The secret like- name of this podcast is let's get Ian hitched. <laughs> yes. If anyone wants to know, yes, I'm the only one not married or in a relationship on the podcast. Me and Zach okay, are married, just, just so on. everyone knows. Yeah. Together. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> uh, Cliff is in a relationship. Yeah. So we'll just leave it at that. I went on a few COVID dates. I can't wait to talk more I can't, about that later. I can't wait to tell you guys after the podcast is over what this question really was. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, all right. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. So I guess we can move into our first segment um, who should we do first this week? Let's just like random mix it every week. Do 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 do. Schwab de Vivre to law enforcement, for example. <laughs> that backfired. Uh, my Zach uniform. I do not wear the regulation uniform. I wear these uh, shorts here. And I actually had to lobby the sheriff's department to get permission to wear these. But my argument was, hey, I'm out there in the streets every day. I got to be able to move like a cheetah, like a Ooh, law, law enforcement, enforcement cheetah. cheetah. All right. So continuing on last week with interesting stories from San Antonio, I found this along in my research for the Hill Country Village deer, which I haven't got a chance to look into that again. Since Sunday? I might actually go like reporter style and like go interview some people on the story. Do it, Because I, uh, I know this guy named Mo who gave me permission to do the casting lessons where I do them. He runs the municipal 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 building for yeah. Hill Country Village. I might just go in there and like interview him with like a notepad style and do some like you know, actual reporting. Heck yeah, man. Moe's got the answers. Yeah, I know he does. I think the deer's there too, so maybe I can take a picture or something. Yeah, dude. All right. Illegal deer hunts, a problem inside San Antonio city limits. Oh dang. And I have seen amazing deer in San Antonio City Limits. So That's I can't crazy. say I'm surprised, but I am disappointed. Um, from a window overlooking his backyard, there's a view of woods just miles from the police station. It's, it's where a man has been busted by game wardens for using a spotlight at night and a rifle to hunt deer illegally in San Antonio. Dang. 
Um, Wait, they're rifle hunting inside of the city limits? <laughs> on this story, I actually have two. I'm going to do two stories. I do think I hear like a gunshot every now and then. So, I mean, not to get it off topic, but in other cities, you are allowed to hunt deer inside the metropolitan area, such as D.C. You can hunt deer. Really? With a bow. Yeah, look up the Urban Bowman on YouTube. He shot a deer in Washington, D.C., and it actually crossed into a Supreme Court justice's backyard, and he had to get Secret Service to recover the deer. No <laughs> way. What? Yeah. Okay. That's pretty crazy. I'm going to let's stop story. the story right there because <laughs> I'm going to bring that story next week. Yes, do it. The details. That's awesome. Um,. They video them. They even name them sometimes. And when it ends up missing, they call us. Calls from local lakes are common too. As fishermen turn in otherwise, turn in others who go over the limit with the fish they catch and keep. Oh, this is how did this get out of order? Come out. I'm sorry, guys. Um. Yeah. It's okay. So. The gunshot near the police station. Uh, a dozen game wardens travel Bear County, which is where San Antonio is, chasing down poachers. Business is always brisk as they answer more than 100 illegal hunting calls a year for Bear County. I don't know. Does that seem low or high to y'all? For Bear County? For Bear County. Just 100. For yeah, 100 illegal hunting calls a year yeah, for Bear County. That's one every three to four days. That's pretty high. I would, I would say that's pretty high. Yeah, I, I would think so. Um, Parks and Wildlife officials say poaching is a crime of opportunity. In 2008, wardens say two men were caught hunting in the medical center area and were <laughs> caught on tape. They were hunting from their truck along Floyd Cur- Curl Drive. Game wardens found the evidence when they dropped the tailgate a trophy buck. Uh, a, m- a majority of the violations in the San Antonio area are during the hunting season we encounter um, that are relate. It, they, it, ugh, sorry, guys. We encounter that our deer-related occur inside the Loop 1604. So most of these are inside Loop 1604. Okay, um, that and that, that would make sense with the poaching because there are a lot of areas outside Loop 1604 where you could hunt legally. Yeah. Yeah, especially like south of town. Well, yeah, and then like the, the county itself ends pretty close to outside the, yeah. the Loop. Authorities say many poachers get caught through calls on Operation Game Thief Hotline. It's a toll-free number homeowners use to call authorities about suspicious trucks and trespassers. Uh, these homeowners get upset when their animal friends fail to show up. I mean, it is cool. Like, I get that, too, because, you know, when we lived over by McAllister Park, we would have deer in our yard all the time, and just yeah. watching them is cool. It's fun to see them. Yeah. Um, and this is a... Another article. Poachers target San Antonio neighborhoods to hunt trophy bucks. Uh, this one was reported on the north side of the city near Thousand Oaks and Henderson Pass. Um, what happened? Poacher. Uh, this, okay. One resident who lives on Oak Wild Street said that he discovered a de- decapitated buck on the corner of his lawn. He said that a few months ago, one of his neighbors also found a de- decapitated buck on their property. We love the deer. They come here every night. We like to see them. They're a part of the nature of this neighborhood. But now we're concerned and also afraid. We have kids. They're going to end up hurting someone, said Lewis, who posted a picture of the headless buck on social network site next door to notify the rest of his neighbors. 
So do you guys think that it would be worse if you found just the head or just the body? So if uh, it's just, just the, the body, if it's just if it's just the head, they're keeping the meat. Yeah, and I think I could ethically, you could be like, yeah, I, I could it. get, I could understand it a little bit. Well, I mean, I can understand taking just the head too. I just don't agree with it. Right. Whereas yeah, if you, know if where you take, from, if but. you take the body, then you're like, you're hoping that they went and they utilized the meat. If they took just the head, I mean, it was clearly just a trophy. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, and this one, these guys were hunting. I won't read the rest of the story, but they were hunting with compound bows, and this guy was talking about how he's worried about his kids. You know, you get a missed arrow or something, goes through a window, could be. Yeah, I feel like that's definitely, you know, trying to build a mountain out of a molehill on that yeah. issue. Yeah. But I, I would say more of like the, you know, I don't want these deer that are in our area dying illegally. Yeah. I will it's say in some area, have an issue with. the yeah, city exactly. does need to do something, though, because they are overpopulated in areas. They could open up and legitimately sell tags inside of McAllister, like close down Mc- or section of McAllister. And just do Sell a, d- a draw tag, just archery. Yeah. They could do that because I know places, uh, Berry College in Rome, Georgia, they have an overpopulation and they open it up, or they did. I don't know if they still do, but they used to open it up. Uh, like two weekends of the season, mm-hmm. and it was a pretty coveted tag, and uh, people could go hunt it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to help control the deer population. I mean, these deer—they're just like the deer here, where they're so used to humans, they would come up to you. Maybe yeah. So maybe that's part of it too. That it would be at least the first couple of times they did it, there wouldn't be any sport to it. You know what I mean? I mean, that's how it will always be, but the fact of the matter is where you're looking at it from a conservation standpoint is if they get too out of control and out of hand, then they start starving and dying off anyway. And right, because there's not enough to go a around. a much less humane way of dying mm-hmm. than just someone taking it with the bow and then utilizing the meat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Well, well, I don't... Urban hunting is interesting. There's points on both sides. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I've killed a deer in San Antonio, but we'll save. That's my best story. That's a different story. Yeah. We'll, we'll save that story. I think you, you, need, probably to, I think you probably need to clear it up vote. right now. It was, yeah. Nothing was illegal. It, was, it was not illegally say. taken, and I did not hit it with my car. That's the cliffhanger that all the listeners... We'll save it for, like, episode 20. I'm not going to burn my best story on episode 7. Right. Random. But in the middle let's, of nowhere. Let's clarify <laughs> that you did not poach it. I did not poach it. That's correct. And yeah. I did not hit it with my car. Both of those right. things are facts. And you did not collect a salvage tag. I did not collect a salvage tag. That's where you messed up, in my opinion. Well, yeah. well, we'll save it for another time. Anyway, uh, I guess since Zach's on the board... Who are you picking next to do the next segment? No, 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 no. That's pretty neat. Uh, uh, Ian, <laughs> neat things in nature. I mean, I felt like there was only two segments in general, right? Like it was either me or Cliff. It's a 50 50 chance. <laughs> yeah, because I'm not going to pick myself next. Because then that's favoritism. You should. Oh, I guess that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Zach chooses himself. <laughs> um, Four times in a row. <laughs> Uh, let me pull this up. Basically, um, they recently found out, and this seems kind of um, 
obvious, but uh, bears, there are a bunch of grizzly bears, like Arctic grizzlies, that are showing um, wildlife biologists use salmon streams. Really? Uh, Wait, I, yeah. I, I couldn't understand the last part. Say that again. They, um, this is in, um, this, this, let me go ahead and read the article. So this is from hatchmag.com, and it was a few other places, but the title is Are Arctic Grizzly Bears Pointing the Way to Remote and Previously Undocumented Brook Range Salmon Streams? Um, and so there was a scientific paper that was published um, in the Canadian Field Naturalist Journal. And basically, they've been monitoring these bears who have been catching salmon in streams that previously they weren't aware had salmon in them, mm. um, which is kind of cool. Like, uh, it, here, let me read some of this. So it says, well, the discovery that grizzly bears eat salmon is nothing new. The idea that brown bears hundreds of miles from the Bering and um, Chukchi, whatever, or seas, prey on salmon is something not previously known. So this is like way up in the northern part of North America. And one of the most um, austere environments on the planet, um, well away from coastal salmon waters, National Park Service biologists are finding grizzlies congregate on the banks of these inland rivers where they fish for salmon. So basically they found salmon way farther north than they thought. Um, And they've been monitoring them. Um, Some of these places... These river systems um, are, you know, like most things in Alaska, are only accessible by bush plane. Um, there's one particular one that they documented that is 300 miles via bush plane from Fairbanks, Alaska. Mm. Um, and so that's kind of exciting. Um, it's not super thrilling, but basically they've been following bears around and realizing that there's salmon in more spots than they thought. Yeah, well... <laughs> Which, which is cool for fishing, so maybe... Well, it's neat that the bears themselves are kind of showing these people yeah. where they are. Like well, That's the that's the cool thing. Bears are great fishermen, so... That's true. If they you, are, yeah. yeah. In the, the, or are they the just great nets? Just, or yeah, they're what? Or are they just great nets? You know what I mean? No, I don't... Explain what you mean So, by like, that. I mean, like, are they actively fishing, or are they, like, are they luring things to them, or are they just kind of sitting where fish are with the mouth open, you know, and just occasionally clamping down. No, because they use their paws to pop them up. Yeah, but I mean, like, it's still, it's kind of like a net. They're kind of just like big, teethy nets. They're not angling. Right, they're they're netting. But I would say maybe that's, because, you know, commercial fishermen use nets a lot of times, and that's still considered fishing. Is it, though? I think, like, terminology-wise it is. Mm. Angling, though is using a hook specifically. Yeah, I get it. The nice, th- the nice thing about this is that these salmon streams were undocumented, so uh, technically it's increasing, even if people knew about it, right? So I don't know if it's accessible to fishing, but there's more salmon, and that's exciting. Are there a lot of salmon in these rivers? Like, are they pretty large runs? I don't think they got that far. Okay. They just found salmon... Yeah, I I don't know if it was like discovering new. I think it was just if, from this article, and if you wrote this article, please write in and correct us. It <laughs> looks like it was portions of existing tributaries and uh, headwaters of river systems. Okay. Um, so for migrating salmon, they just found them in areas that were previously not known. 
okay, uh, by cool. observing these Arctic grizzlies, which is cool. Like, if you like nature, that's exciting to find salmon in these spots where you didn't know they were. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like in headwaters, too, you know, they may know that salmon are coming in that main river system, but, you know, salmon always go back to where they were born. So if they're headed up to the specific headwaters, then that's that's good information to know, especially from a conservation point of view, maybe in the future. Yeah, that's what it looked like. Basically, yeah. the bottom line is they found salmon in parts of rivers and river systems where they had it previously seen them. Okay, cool. Via grizzlies. <laughs> that's awesome. Grizzlies. All right, Zach, who's up next? I think it's wolves. Myth. Wolves are dangerous to humans. Fact. You have a better chance of being hit by a meteorite than eaten by a wolf. Except if you wake up naked in the woods. Alrighty. Um, so, as I said on the last podcast, that I would uh, circle back to the Port A thing with a little bit more details into it. Um, so, to kind of recap, currently uh, on the Texas coast, uh, Port Aransas area, they are looking to dredge the channel um, to accommodate larger crude vessels to come in so that uh, for a variety of different reasons and that's what I'm going to get into now. So as I mentioned last podcast the uh, channel is currently I think I said 45 feet but after doing a little bit more research it's sitting at 47. So off two foot. We actually had an email about that. Someone did correct us in the email. To 47? No I'm just kidding. Oh, oh <laughs> they were fact checking you Cliff. Um, so the channel is currently sitting at about 47 feet and, uh, but the port already has, and what I mean by port, I mean, there's a port in Port Aransas that they're calling the port where all these ships are coming in. And I think it's part of something called refinery row or something is what I saw on, uh, a Corpus Christi web page news web page but they currently have permits to already dig to 55 feet so Mm. it is going to increase either way from 47 to 55 which that could still be a an issue in of itself with the silt and the uh top layers of soil have they already started dredging to 55 i don't think that they have started dredging but they do have the permit too okay um and I, the reason why I think that they haven't started is because there's all they are also proposing to the U.S. Car, Army Corps of Engineers to dig to 75 feet, as mentioned in the last podcast, to accommodate what they are calling VLCCs, or Very Large cruise, uh, Crude Carriers, to Harbor Island, uh, where the port wants to see crude oil, a crude oil tournament terminal built so it will be a terminal to load crude oil onto these tanker ships and stuff and then export it out or send it around the u.s but i guess so it doesn't matter though if it's 10 feet or 30 feet they're going to add either way would mess up the fishery right uh but i would argue that as little damage as possible would be better so i mean like is it set like they're going to do it no matter what I think it's pretty set at the 55. If they already have the permits to do everything, right. 
then they're at least going to do 55, and I think they're going to, they're trying to get it to go up to the 75 mark. Dang. Mm. Um, Is there anything we can do? I don't think there's anything we can do on the 55, but on the 75, or if they haven't done it and we say no one wants the 75, we've given you an inch and you're trying to take a mile. Right. Maybe it could put a whole stop to it altogether. Right. Um, as I did say last week, there is a change.org petition sure. online that you can go and sign and then donate anywhere from two bucks to however much you want. Um, so they applied to the Texas Commission of Environmental Quality for a permit uh, also to discharge the brine from dis distillation plants uh, on Harbor Island. So they're also wanting to build a what they call a desal plant or a desalinitation plant. Um, And what that is, is it's the process in which they take away mineral compounds from saline water. Uh, Generally, desalation refers to the removal of salts and minerals from a target substance as in soil Distillation, which is an issue for ag- agriculture. So they're already admitting that they want to take saline and the minerals from the soil and everything, pump it through, get the salt out, keep the minerals for themselves, and then pump all this brine that's gone through the oil terminals and other plants Back into the bay. Why? So why do they want to take the minerals out? What's the point of desalinating the water? Uh, nothing. Another thing to sell, I guess. I mean, it's a mineral right. So it's same thing as uh, like on ranches around here. You see these people who have these massive ranches, and what they've done is they've sold off the mineral rights mm-hmm. and the oil rights underground, and then that's affording them to buy and keep these large sloths. Yeah. Land. So when they say mineral, they don't. It's not like rocks and stuff. They're, they're, right. they're talking about the oil, the crude oil. Mm-hmm. Right. But they're removing the crude oil from the water, essentially. I, I kind of read that as they're, desal- they're taking the salt out of the water. Well, they are, but for the purpose of keeping these minerals, because they don't need the salt. Mm. But either way, it's still going through the plant and doing what they need to do during the process and then being pumped back back into the ecosystem which is probably waste which is basically wastewater right um the permit that they have uh does not give them the right to build uh, a desal plant on the port property but it does clear way for another party so a third party to come in and build it mm. so the port itself isn't looking to build a desal plant mm-hmm. but they are holding a piece of land for say honey hole angling for some reason decides we want to get in the desal business and we go down we build a plant there we would have every right to do so mm-hmm. um so it's to me again i'm not telling people what to make up their mind or anything but it just seems extremely short-sighted especially when we've already had one uh, disaster happened just this past week of a uh, the explosion. Yeah, a oil dredge or them dredging up and hit a oil pipeline, mm-hmm. right? 
and caused an expo- explosion and I I know, leakage. I, I don't think I saw where this was at. This was in Corpus. All right, so a dredging boat hit a pipeline and it caused an explosion. In four, and four people died. So I'll read. I'll no read, way. Yeah, I and did that not direct result of dredging. I'll read the news article from Corpus, Corpus Christi's Business News. Um, breaking news: Corpus Christi, Corpus Christi firefighter firefighters battle pipeline blaze. Six people are reported missing after a pipeline explosion at 8.05 a.m. August, Friday, August 21st, along Refinery Row in Corpus Christi. Four people are being treated at uh, Christus Bonds Shoreline Hospital for injuries, and two others were taken by, the, by a U.S. Coast Guard helicopter for treatment of severe burns into San Antonio. Initial reports of the explosions happened at Epic, products near Latana and Navigation Latana Streets on several roads near Up River Road were closed off to traffic. Port of Corpus Christi CEO Sean Strawberge told reporters at around noon the explosion was from a uh, propane line that had a propane line, and that a barge was not part of the port's uh, dredging project. The port of Corpus Christi has shut down the inner harbor towards Harbor Bridge. According to firefighters, the fire following the explosion erupted at a dredging barge in the Corpus Christi ship channel and is currently ablaze. So that's crazy. So it all happened from dredging, which is, which is exactly what they're thinking about doing now. Anyways. Right. And it's striking a pipeline that was running underneath it. Which, yeah. granted, there's probably not a pipeline straight through the channel where we're going, but Still, do we know? Well, and also, I mean, like, I imagine now that they're going to, after this incident, they'll put more precautions up. But mm-hmm. just so crazy that they're talking about this, and literally something happened pretty much in the exact same Yeah, place. this happened like four days ago, I think. Yeah, yeah. I don't know about that. That's Last crazy. Friday. Um, According to firefighters, the fire following the explosion erupted at a dredging barge in the Corpus Christi ship channel and is currently ablaze. I know I read that, but I'm trying to get my spot back. The barge struck a submerged pipeline, causing the eruption, according to to U.S. Coast Guard Lieutenant Marana Lyons, Lyons, uh, the first speed... The fire spread from the pipeline to a grain elevator. Valero employees rescued multiple people who had ended up in the water. Workers were on board the barge and at the pipeline site when the explosion and fire occurred. So that's the end of the article. Dang. So, yeah... uh, as That's we, intense, man. Yeah. As we see this going on, we're they're clearly fighting to dredge up a natural resource area that is heavily used by most people in the San Antonio and Rio Grande Valley area for recreational use. Well, people in the entire state they'll go to the quote they go to that coast and that goal and yeah that right. port in order to do all their coast fishing. Mm-hmm. Right, and it's. One of the best, I mean, it is known as the saltwater fishery for, for the state of Texas. Yeah, for if sure. you're fishing, you're going, if you're fishing salt, 
you're going to the Aransas Pass right. Port A area mm-hmm. between the north and south jetty systems. That's just what you do. That's where you go. That's yeah. crazy. And then to uh, add all this on top of it, you're A, going to mess up a multi-million dollar industry for recreational use and being all the guides and everything down there, uh, just fishing in general. Um, is All that's going to go away. And on top of that, you're going to cause a... Sorry, I'm checking my blood sugar too. Um, <laughs> you're also going to cause a bunch of ecological disruptions in that the soil the soils are going to flare up and then cause cloud cloudy coverage which makes the sea life or the plant sea life not be able to photosynthesis properly yeah killing it off yeah Yeah. it's just going to be they're looking at it in my opinion and for what it's worth i'm not i'm not a smart man but they're looking at it very short-sightedly and not thinking of the trickle-down effects that could occur. Well, they're thinking about potential money. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, not yeah. the industries they're trying, that they're going to hurt. No, they're just thinking about the oil money. Yeah. And there's, obvious, no matter, I mean, fishing, and so, especially saltwater fishing, is a huge industry in Texas, mm-hmm. but it doesn't compete with oil money. You know? Yeah. Well, and an interesting take on, you know, like, United States oil, and this is maybe like a bl- bigger political question, but I heard a guy talking about how, you know, that's one of our number one resources. And, you know, there's other places that are already drilling and we already have the supply that we need. So why not save that potential For a backlog, future? Like if something, yeah. if, if we run out in the Arctic areas where we're drilling or anywhere else or even the rigs already out in the gulf coast if we run out then let's visit this but do we need to do it correct right now right. Yeah. we don't need to tap everything we have access right. to. correct because none of us here are sitting here saying like no oil never like we all agree like it we is. all have to drive to work we all right but that's a resource too that if things get really bad in that area like that's something we could maybe revisit in the future but right. to to ruin it now and fishing you know, is it an all-time high? Yeah, because right now the tar- tarpon are currently coming back to Texas, yeah. which right. Port Aransas was the tarpon capital of the world during Theodore Roosevelt. Era. Yeah, and they even saw what permit there. Yeah, not too long ago. I mean, like things are coming. Yeah, it's go ahead. I Ian. see it as like the cost, right? Like we're not. I'm not certainly not against the petrochemical industry or energy at all. It's just you just you need to be careful and. You know, on both sides, right? Like, we rely a lot on petroleum products. Petroleum is really important, but we don't want to sacrifice a natural resource um, that can't be recovered at that cost. And, you know, it sounds like this would do that. Yeah. Yeah, You know, and it's like, you know, so it's, you know, I'm, you know, I'm very, I'm very much for conservation, but I am not anti, just personally, I am not anti-petrochemical at all. Mm -hmm. It's just, we have to be careful. We have to be wise. We have to look at what's the what, what is the environmental impact. Um, what's the we got to we got to like use it responsibly. Mm-hmm. Correct. We have to be responsible. And yeah, no petrochemicals should not be everywhere in all places. Mm-hmm. You know, but like you well, guys said, the outdoor industry is huge. It's billions of dollars. People don't realize that. Yeah, but and, it is. 
maybe yeah. in the future there'll be a safer way, you know, 20, 30 years down the line, there might be a safer way to right. harvest these things without causing huge environmental damage. It's all about balance, and yeah. sa- you know, and safety and things. Right? For sure. Well, I'm going to transition. Cliff, I have a question. Did I see that Graham Jones is now yes. running? No. He no. is now the sitting chair for Texas BHA. Sitting chair. Who's Graham Jones? He is the lieutenant colonel or recently retired lieutenant colonel for the, I believe it was lieutenant colonel, could just be colonel, for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Law Enforcement Division. Game wardens. So he okay. was over all of the game wardens in the state of I Texas. Feel like that, I mean, I don't know anything about him, but I feel like that if he had that job. You've met him. How he, he is a fantastic He comes to Trout like Fest that. every yeah. year. He's a okay. huge trout, or huge trout fish remember, too. huge fish remember. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So I think yeah. I know he is. He's an awesome guy. He's a great person he, to yeah. be on the chair considering things that have happened recently. Yeah, a lot of people pushed for him uh, who are both still involved with BHA and who are not involved with BHA. I know I threw his name out there. I know other people did. I think that he's a good fit for it, and I'm happy to help serve underneath him. I think it'll bring a lot of people back around. Yeah. I do, too. And I think that he can – he brings a perspective of what Texas actually needs, which I think that a lot of – Texas BHA, or I feel like BHA kind of got away because Texas is so unique in like their hunting laws and how we hunt and everything like that. Um, that he brings a very unique perspective and a inside perspective of uh, what it takes to truly conserve our deer and is a big voice for public lands advocacy yeah that's awesome yeah and i don't mean just deer but like in general yeah. just everything in ge- yeah because i mean not just hunters use public lands it's there for a reason for everybody right uh, i'm i'm happy he got it i'm yeah. more than more than thrilled he's I saw that such I was a pretty happy. great guy yeah he's and he's so nice super level-headed all right well we'll get back we'll talk about business off the podcast we'll move on to zach's segment that's right boys i'm taking you to creature watch creature watch all right, so this week I am bringing you the La Lechuga, or Lechuza. La Lechuza? Yeah, Lechuga pre- is milk, I believe. Pre-1995? Yes, pre-1995. That is now the standard Dude, was- by which all creature watches are measured. <laughs> I'm going to ask that question every time, just so you know. Okay, well, then I will know. Some of them might be newer, but this one, yeah. Um, I want to find one from 2000. Six. Yeah, that's a good year. In the last 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Like a new like, <laughs> one that was discovered yesterday. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this one was actually a rumor that the creature has been seen from the time of the conquistadors. So. Okay, I feel it's real. Yeah, so we're definitely clear of the 1995. Okay. <laughs> so the, the conquistadors were like 1994, right? Oh, man. Dang. I don't know. Oh, okay. I don't teach Texas history, guys. Anyway, go on. La Lechuza is a Spanish phrase for barn owl, but this is based on the Mexican folklore that it is a witch who can turn into a giant owl. Ooh. Yes. Been seen all throughout of Texas and Mexico. Mm. At night, 
she turns into an owl and attacks anybody that she does not like. People mm. will be out in the woods or just out in the day and they will see a dark, large owl staring at them. But what's weird is that some people think it's just a giant owl and some people say that they see an old, decaying woman's head on top of an owl's body. Hmm. Interesting. Right. But there isn't just one that they think. They think that there's a whole flock of them across all of Texas and Central America, and they might hunt in packs. Really? Yep. But during the day, they're actually witches, or just women in general. Women or witches? Witches. Okay. Yeah. Women witches, not warlocks. Okay. Do you have, is there like a story? I don't have a story yet. Of a personal? No, no, no. But I have more information about Lelachusa. Okay. Um, There is a rumor that uh, a woman who was killed by her lover was also a witch, and she put herself into an owl as she was dying Hmm. and became the first Lelachusa. Okay. Um, they're kind of creepy, though. So they will actually fly to people's homes, make weird noises, and lure men out of their homes and then kill them and eat them. What's the noise? Did you get a recording? I don't have a recording. There are pictures of Lelachusa like, online. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds very much like the bear cave. <laughs> um, but only attacks men because it was – you said men specifically. Yes. Because the women lover too, situation. Yeah, because... That or women are just too smart to fall for it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Men are like, what kind of animal's calling outside? Yeah. Let me grab my bow. Exactly. A couple of hunters being like, ooh, that's new. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. so it usually calls men out because that the lover was a man who killed her. and Or the other story is it was witches and the village men got together and killed them that way as well. Mm, interesting. Um. They feast on people, so they like to eat eat out, eat men. Okay. So, uh, they also can control lightning and thunderstorms, and they have been known to drain car batteries to keep people stranded so they can eat them. That's freaky. Yeah. That it actually thinks yeah, that far Yeah, because ahead. you've had a battery issue the past few days. I oh, man. did have a battery issue the past oh, two days. I got some bad news for you, dude. Well, I, my battery's fixed now. But if it goes that again, yeah. I'm getting real nervous. Well, if you see one and she doesn't kill you, she's most likely tra- trying to tell you that you're going to have a tragedy happen in your life pretty soon. And it might be that you die. So it's either she kills you or she's trying to warn you that you're going to die. Yeah. Yeah, but she's there's not, not going to be like the one a, that kills you. There's just not a middle ground. No, it, it's bad news bears if you see one. Will you guys make sure I make it inside before you leave? So it's, kind <laughs> of like, it's kind of like the... Uh, if I hear weird noises tonight, I ain't coming out. It's kind of like the Banshee from uh, like Irish folklore then. Yeah. Because I imagine the Banshee, like, you'd hear it, if you heard it, I think it was, don't quote me, but like three nights in a row, then that means like she was coming for you. Oh, dang, man. And all this other stuff, but then she'd also appear and then, like, not kill you, but then, like, you'd still mysteriously die. That's exactly what this yeah. sounds like. The only thing is Lala Chusa does not give you three days warning. She just kind of does she it. She just goes, <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Exactly. She just does the one time and then you're done. This episode is brought to you by Cox Contour TV. 
Sometimes it's hard to decide what to watch, but Cox Contour TV helps make that decision easier. Enjoy live TV, on-demand programs, DVR recordings, and music all in one place. And only with the sound of your voice with the Contour Voice Remote. Plus, catch the golf and basketball action you've been waiting for on the Contour Sports app. Learn more at coxcox.com slash contour. This episode is brought to you by Cox Contour TV. Sometimes it's hard to decide what to watch, but Cox Contour TV helps make that decision easier. Enjoy live TV, on-demand programs, DVR recordings, and music all in one place. And only with the sound of your voice with the Contour Voice Remote. Plus, catch the golf and basketball action you've been waiting for on the Contour Sports app. Learn more at coxcox.com slash contour. Do you guys guys know what skinwalkers are? Yeah, they're creatures that walk on people's skin. No. Um, <laughs> We're going to need a, a towel. Landon, well, Landon's should, over here spilling his soda. Yeah. You should do you should do one on that. But, like, oh, yeah. growing up in Arizona, like, I lived there for 10 years that everyone doesn't know. And my whole family lived there for, like, 17. Yeah, they're basically, like, uh, they're similar. They're, like, witches and healers out on the Navajo reservation. And you have to be very careful what you say about them in Northern Arizona, because you can joke about them, but you'll get, people will stare at you. Like, don't joke about that. It's oh, yeah. really creepy. No, I'll do a segment yeah, like, on People are very serious. Yeah. I, um, I actually have a story you should re- research into. Okay. Give them to me off the podcast. So we don't, no, no, we'll, we'll, I'll throw a little tease out there. Cause I think it's really, it's, um, it's this animal in Tasmania. That actually went extinct. The dodo but is that what it is? You may know about it. Dodo bird. It's I don't not think a that bird. Was in Tasmania, but that did go extinct. <laughs> no, it's like some kind of like um, it's like a small mammal, like dog size. They call it some kind of tiger. I can't remember. It's got oh, stripes yeah, yeah. on no, the back. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And people like will randomly do sightings. Like it's supposed to be extinct, but people like a couple times a year. Do you think at Tasmanian uh, state fairs they have a guy in a booth who's showing pictures of them? Yeah, for five Tasmanian dollars. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, uh, there's another one. Uh, it's like a hybrid creature between like a. Is it a paddlefish and Russian sturgeon? No, but I did think that. of something after we talked to, on that. It's like a half bear, half man, half pig situation. Man bear pig. Came up by Al Gore. <laughs> uh, I will say, as far as La Lechuza goes, if you are nice to women, she most likely will not eat you. But she'll just tell you you're going to die. Yeah, so she's doing you a favor at that point, though. You can get your things in order. Okay. Get your affairs in line. Yeah, exactly. Um, So there are three instances where you might be near one, but she's not warning you about anything. So in Texas, we get a lot of strange thunderstorms that, like, are like in Lubbock, a lot of weird thunderstorms. That's her controlling the thunderstorms. Hmm. But that's affecting an entire population of people, like an entire city. Yeah, she's not trying to warn warn anybody of anything. She's just, you know, she can control lightning and stuff, so she has fun with it. She's like, oh, maybe the city needs some rain. Yeah. Grass is looking a little dull. Yeah, exactly. Let's drop some rain on this town. Let's flood some cars in Lubbock because there's no drainage. Exactly. Or like how you know, like, you only hear birds sing during the day. So if you hear one at night. If you hear one at night, it's probably a lot of the chooza. Or, last one, if you're walking through the woods and you hear something whistling, a lot of the chooza. I don't think I want to go camping anymore, guys. Right. I do have some ways you can protect yourself, though. Oh. If, If you are mean to women and... 
you don't want to be eaten. Okay, I'm all ears. So, number one, surround your house with salt. Are you saying that you're mean to women? No, I'm not mean to women, but still. This is probably the scariest one that I've... That we've heard so far. That we've heard. Like, this is the creepiest one I've heard so far. Yeah, can you imagine Considering, a large owl with, like, a decaying woman's head on it? If you look at pictures, it's creepy. But at the same time, like, my car battery recently, like, died. Yeah, it's just trying to keep you there. Um, so, so you how can... spell it? La Lechuza. L-E-C-H-U-Z-A. Um, and put witch afterwards, because otherwise oh, it just gosh, comes up Cliff. as an owl. Uh, so, surround your head... With <laughs> you surround your house with salt, you can curse at it. I don't know why that. Oh wow, that is it. creepy. Right? How has this not been made into a horror movie? Let me see. Oh, I know. I mean, that's perfect for. Wow, it. Ian, if you can't see it, it's this old woman's head, and she has a beak of an owl. Ian, Google it. Oh, wait, wait. Uh, send me. Someone text me the link. I want clips see on it. it. Yeah. Uh, don't use any normal weapons. It does not like because it's a magic bird witch. Uh, knives and rifles do not affect it. If mm-hmm. you hear a strange noise and you're like, "Oh man, I want to go see what it is," and you're inside your house, just don't go outside. Just uh, just stay inside. And then the last thing is avoid eye contact because this is the best one. Oh yeah, that one's yeah, that's the best one for sure. <laughs> avoid eye contact because she will steal your soul and shape shift into you. Dude, this is terrifying, yeah. bro. I just got your text. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's nightmare it, inducing. It, this is... Oh. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Oh. That's a local Texas legend, guys. La Lechuza. Is there... I'm sure that there's a movie about La Lechuza. There has to be. Yeah, it has to be in something. Because we could watch it. Oh, yeah. As a group and then report on it. Right. Cult of the Owl Witch, La Lechuza. La Lechuza. Interesting. On, oh, there's a cult? Oh, I didn't even know there was a cult of the Owl Witch. I, I bet those people are kind of crazy. This is on... Uh, Amazon. Oh, is okay. it a cult or a coven? Um, is it a movie? Or is it a book? It looks like it's... Or is uh, it a social club? Uh, it's a social club. You know what's funny? <laughs> I, You know what's funny? I did Wait, link got, the Amazon link to that uh, cat thing from last week. Oh, yeah. The, the boy or whatever his name, Billy and the... Billy and the Wampus Cat. <laughs> Billy, I linked Billy the Amazon the link. Cat. Unfortunately, it was sold out on Amazon, but coming back into stock hey, soon. Oh, so it yeah. must be popular. You have Amazon Prime. You can listen to the soundtrack to this. Billy Is and it Wampus a soundtrack? Uh, it, yeah, this one's a soundtrack. It's Lola Chusa, Cult of the Owl Witch. Uh, it's an explicit album. <laughs> oh. But they do have a song on here called Taco Truck. Oh, that's nice. Oh, cool. Well, cool. Well, that's all I have for uh, for Creature Watch, guys. That was by far the creepiest one. For sure. That's the stuff of nightmares. Yeah, there's going to be creepier ones, too. Sweet. I'm looking forward to it. Ooh. Um, oh, perfect. All right. So our main topic this week is fly shop etiquette. Yeah. Which I think is a good topic. I think so, too. It's definitely... it. it it definitely ranges no matter where you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, I will also say on the flip side of fly shop etiquette, there's also fly shop employee etiquette. So, like, fly shop should be treating you a certain way as a customer. Right. And um, we're not going to go into that as much. But if you are not being treated appropriately as a customer, then, you know, what it's up to you that? whether – you decide to go back to that fly shop, but I've heard 
a lot of people. Go ahead, Cliff. All right, so breaking news. There are... <laughs> <laughs> there are... Lala- Cliff just gave the timeout sign. It was like, whoa, 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 guys. I have found the Lala Chusa movie. <laughs> yeah. On, uh, if you just Google it and go to the video section, there are YouTube movies. Of real Lala Chusas? No, they're like... Like fan fiction? Like fake ones? Yeah. Or is it like, this is what they sound like at night? Lala Chusa presented by Heartfire Media. It's two minutes and 40 seconds. Yeah, but what if it's like the ring sort of situation where it's like... Well, Nothing then. like you're good until you start searching for the video, and then it's like the real Lala Chusa. Mm-hmm. No, don't play it. What if don't it is something? It. Don't play it. It's going to get us. And plus, we don't even know what that is, and it could be copyrighted. It could be copyright. Yeah. We'll watch it after. It sounded like send, Dwight talking. Send us the link. Um. So back to what I was talking about. You know, fly shops should be treating you with respect. They should be helping you out for sure. Um. And so, if they're not doing that, then, you know, don't spend money with them. But Yeah, the only thing the only thing that kind of sucks is that sometimes you are kind of forced into a situation where it's like, you may be in a small town where it's one fly shop, and you went there knowing, like, I'm going to buy some flies from the shop when I get to this, you know, vacation destination. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, if you have to buy flies, you have to buy flies, but you don't have to, like, tell other people about them. Oh, yeah, Or true. you don't have to, like, come back next time you come to town. Very true. So, um, but we're not going to talk about fly shop etiquette. You guys can discern for yourselves whether, you know, employees are treating you respectfully. Uh, we're going to be talking about etiquette from the consumer side. Right. And I'll start the conversation off by um, maybe talking about how fly shops make their money. And maybe that'll help you guys out with as far as some information. So the ways fly shops do not really make money is by selling flies. Mm. Like if you guys, if you think that, you know, oh, I'm going to go buy like $15 worth of flies, which is great. Like anything helps. Right. But the time associated with ordering and organizing flies appropriately versus how much comp fly shops actually make off flies they spend a lot of work so they ex- they extend a lot of labor for something that they're going to make uh minimal money off of right so that's so, probably what majority of people go in to buy correct it's especially what, at like a destination fly shop correct most people are going to buy flies or leaders you know, you know, flies, leaders, tippet, that sort of things. And, you know, leaders and tippet, those are more of a money maker, I would say. Because it's less uh, hours to put Correct. If you you got to think about, and this is more like, I've worked in fly shops, so this is more like looking at, like, the business management side of things. But if you think about, like, how much something costs and you subtract the labor out of that, most, you know, fly shops spend most of their time on flies with, and that's going to bring back the fewest, the lowest amount of return for a fly shop in right. the end. Um, the the best things you can buy are like rods, reels, jackets, j- clothing. Clothing's a money maker, you know that sort of thing. So, but that not everyone said, needs though, that. Yeah. That being said, just because you go to a fly shop does not mean like if I'm I'll go in and buy fifty dollars worth of flies and 
that I feel I do not feel bad about doing that at all. You shouldn't. Right. You shouldn't feel bad about going in because the fly shop appreciates it. Right. Like I'm still spending money. You're still spending money. At the end of the day, it's one guy for you know. Yeah, I will. Five minutes. I will also say though, if you are expecting to go to a fly shop and spend fifty dollars on flies and then get the shop employees honey hole, it's not going to happen. No, but I. But I'm not going to lie. If I spend like fifty dollars, which for a lot of people, I mean that fifty dollars is is a lot of money. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. comparatively, but um, like I expect some information that might help. Correct. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm not. Saying that, like, to be honest, unless I book a trip with somebody, I don't really plan on seeing the honey hole. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, well, and that's where fly shops make a lot of their money is actually guided trips. So if you you can go on a guided trip, then. For sure. But guided trips aren't always feasible. Like, a lot of people budget to go on maybe one trip a year. Yeah, absolutely. But they have other vacations. Or, like, their vacation isn't just about fly fishing. They may be with a family and stuff, so they have to kind of work around that. And just kind of fish when they get a chance. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. Um, but um, having been in the experience, you know, people people have spent money and expected a lot of information right. from me personally. Right. And it's, it's like a hard – it's a hard thing to juggle because I really, truly want to help people out. Right. In a fly shop. But at the same time, they have no intention of buying anything, or you know, it's it's just a it's just a hard. So do they come in just not and like you can tell no intention of buying anything? Correct. Right. So like I would say even in the smaller stores and stuff, like don't like it's rude to go in and ask for information without buying anything. Correct. I that's what and that's the point I was getting at. Okay, but like to be honest, if you go in and buy twenty dollars worth of flies, I. Personally, granted, I'm on the other side of things as a consumer. I think that like me spending any money outside of like a dollar for chapstick or something mm-hmm. would be worth at least some guidance. You know, like Correct. hey, go like this is where a lot of people go, but this is where you might be able to catch some fish. Yeah, you know. And a lot of the guidance that if you're coming and asking for flies, a lot of the guidance is these are the hatches. The information right. they're going to give you, these are the flies you need to use because these are the hatches that we have going on right now. So they're going to guide you in that direction. Um, at the same time, if you think about it from a shop employee's perspective, they are not going to make their favorite places to fish more crowded. So, no, and I totally get that too. And yeah. like, you know, it would take somebody being one of your closest friends, not ne- even necessarily any amount of money. To tell somebody where your favorite place to fish would be, you know. Mm-hmm. So I totally get that. I just think that with working at a fly shop, there is an expectation that you know a little bit about the area. Obviously, you don't have to give out your honey holes, but like people want to find out about the sport and people want to try the mm-hmm. sport. And I think that you have a responsibility to point people in the right direction. Correct. You know? And if people come in and they treat me with respect or they take our free fly fishing classes or, you know, they do a private lesson and, you know, are, you know, and they're nice and, you know, they're asking a lot of questions. They're really trying to learn, you know, they're buying thing here or there. Then, you know, I have told, I've told a lot of people a spot that me and you frequent. Right. Like that we fish very frequently. Right. Um, and so, 
I have like given a lot of my spots away, you know, to people. And a lot of that is a lot of repeat people. So the more I see people, the more I get to know them, the more I'll talk to them. I'll give them one of my good spots. They'll give me one of their good spots. We kind of trade information and we both grow from there. Definitely. I think Um, it's different when you, cause you could argue that our store, you you guys probably don't get a lot of like, uh, oh, hey, I'm in San Antonio just for a weekend. Where's a couple of good places to fish? Like, I'm sure you get some of that, but it's probably mainly people who live here actively fish around here. Yeah. Most people like that call. Oh, really? Yeah. And that's an interesting thing. Are they call for information? They call for information. Yeah. See, at that point, I think it's like. Di- I, I don't. I, sometimes I don't really know how to. I tell people go to the Japanese uh, tea gardens. Or tell people the river walk or something like that, uh, you know. Yeah, it's it. You know, I don't. Calling is different, and I. Yeah, I don't. I don't really know. It's. It's. I. I get now what you're saying. It's a tough situation because then, like, well, then where do you draw the line, sort of thing? But I would just say that if a customer comes in is friendly because obviously you have the ones who are demanding, mm-hmm. is willing to spend some money, like. They're not asking for everything. They just want to catch some fish. Yeah. You know what I mean? They don't need to know where the best place in mm-hmm. the 100 miles is. They just And I know. want people to come and have a good time. And, right. And I built, you know, I believe that if I lead people in the right direction, they go out, they catch fish, and they have a good time, they're going to come back right. to me. And Even at, like, small shops where I'm on a vacation, like, most shops I've been to, like, even in Santa Fe or, uh, like, Boulder and places like that, if I have a good experience... I've actually gone back or like in the Smoky Mountains, like mm-hmm. I'll go back to the same fly shop. Even, I mean, it might be a year apart, but I'm still going back. And yeah. every time I've gone to some of them, I've dropped over a hundred bucks. You know yeah. what I mean? So, I mean, like granted, it's not send the world on fire, but like there's definitely been shops I've been to where I can tell the second I walk in, they're gauging me and gauging my knowledge and they don't necessarily want to give me any information mm-hmm. and I'm still spending, you know, money with them. And that's kind of frustrating. Yeah. But mainly because the people are just rude who work there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's where it's like the give and take of. Right, for sure. Of, you know, that's where the give and take is. Ian, do you, what do you think, Ian? Um, I try. I So if I'm trying to get information, I don't necessarily directly ask but I try and strike up a conversation with them and you want to be respectful too. Um, and like, especially if it's a small business, it's very much my opinion that like, if you go in there, you should support it. So given you get good customer service. So when I go to places, I'll kind of look up if there's a fly shop and I'll try and budget money ahead of time, uh, to buy like, like you guys said, like leaders or tippet or t shirt or hat or all the above. Right. And I, then how much just, do you have the, like sorry, Ian, exactly. I was gonna say do you have like a set amount that you're like you know you're trying to spend when you go into a new shop? Probably at least thirty dollars. Yeah, um, yeah. if 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 not more. I don't buy rods that often. I will tend to buy like shirts or hats mm-hmm. or I've, I've gone to different shops in different states and bought four sets or things like that. And just be friendly and just be nice and just be respectful. You know, don't march in there and say, like, where's the best place to fish? Um, Which, you know, just really, it's like your attitude. And I'm 
and actually I'll go in there and I'll, and usually this is my experience. Usually they'll say, are you going fishing? And I'm usually wearing like sunglasses or a hat or casual clothing and they can tell like, and they're like, have you fished out here before? And I'll just say like, do you have any recommendations? I've had people tell me some pretty good spots, specifically in like New Mexico. Santa Fe has a lot of great fly shops. Um, most fly fishermen are pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Like if you're cool, they're going to be pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I'll, say, I'll say too, what, Ian, when your question, when you said, you know, don't go into a fly shop and say what's the best spot, that happens yeah. a lot more than you would think that it does. So yeah, like, that's that way, where that the what, balance. Where what happens? Uh, where people come in and they just like, where's the best spot to go fishing around here? Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. So oh, yeah. because you don't do it, maybe you don't see it. That's I think, and like I said, being just the consumer, I know what my practices are, and so that yeah, because your practices are respectful, and we're friends because we met at a fly shop and we were both respectful to right, each other. Right. <laughs> I have seen other people do that. Yeah, and, I've, and I I've guess seen the it happens a lot more than maybe you would think it would because you're respectful. And I guess that's maybe why, like, I have I have a hard time with, like, the smaller shops that I go to, like, on vacation where it's, like, if they're rude to me when I first walk in, I don't take that into account that, like, maybe the previous 20 customers of the day, especially at, like, the, the more touristy attraction places, like, everybody who comes in is just prying for information and doesn't necessarily know a lot or want mm-hmm. to spend any money or anything like that so i do get that and that's something i haven't thought about before yeah yeah that question happens a lot and a lot of times it's people who are just like where's the best place to go fish and then they just like up and leave and maybe you spend 20 minutes talking to somebody and they just up and leave why there were other customers you could have been helping at the same time that oh like you see customers come in and out yeah you're talking to somebody and you're trying to be nice and helpful and then they don't buy anything um, that's where it's like an interesting bound, you know, because the, the people's time in a fly shop is valuable. Right. So that's one thing maybe, um, maybe to take into consideration. Right. Um, but if you come in, you're nice. And especially if you're not, if you're not asking where's the best spot to go fishing, but you're like, Hey, I'm having trouble with my cast or I don't know this knot. I will 100% walk through people on that kind of stuff. That like kind of stuff. Type but stuff. fishing spots is hard. So with that being said, maybe we should make this a whole topic, but how to find fishing spots. We should make this a whole topic. And yeah, I think that's a good idea. Because um, there are better ways to find fishing spots than going into a fly shop and asking the employees because you're not going to be getting – best spots to fish in the area anyway it can help though it can help um especially i find what helps too is if you come in with some knowledge and you're like hey i've been researching you know this river this river and let's say we're in montana i've been researching the madison the jefferson and the missouri right and you have a lot of research and you have potential spots and then you come in and say you know, I, I'm from out of town. What do you guys think would be the river that's fishing the best right now? Right. They're going to tell you. Because you came in, you, you were well-researched, you already have your spot that you maybe want to fish, but maybe you need that little extra help being of information that is going to make your fishing trip great. Right. Because those guys are there all the time. They have guides on the water. 
and they know. Or you could even ask, I guess, kind of along the same lines of like, hey, I'm thinking about fishing this place tomorrow. What would you recommend for that water? Correct. And some people yeah. have done that, and I would say they're like, I'm looking at going kayak fishing here tomorrow. What do you think? I said I would not go there. I would go here. Like yeah. I have, and that's true. And I've had people tell me in fly shops, like, "Hey, you could try that, but that's really not that great this time of year." Yeah, I'd hit this. Block. The water's too low. You're going to be dragging your kayak all day. Why don't you try this float? And that float that I recommend is a primo spot, but because I guess it seemed like they put some effort into it, right. you're more willing is, to give information. This is a pro tip: budget money. When you go in there, pick out some things you want. If they don't engage you immediately. Because if you invest in them, they'll invest in you. So if they know that you're going to spend money, they'll tell you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they'll give you answers. It's a fair trade. You know, you don't get something for nothing. Yeah, and yeah like to your point, Landon, people just coming in, you know, you have no idea if they're going to buy anything if you work in a fly shop. You know, you're, you're trying to make money, especially if you're the owner. And it's like these people want something for nothing that you can't run a business that way. But so I usually pick up like a shirt or like a hat or pick up like a few flies. Mm -hmm. And then usually they'll come over and talk to you and say, you go on fishing. Right. The one thing I will say is that it is interesting when, you know, the people who work there treat you a certain way and tell you, bring up like, oh, I'm going on a guided trip with you guys tomorrow. Then their attitude totally like 180s, you Mm -hmm. know? Then it's all about what you're doing and everything you got. Um, yeah, we don't do guided trips out of our shop. We right. refer them out, so, so we don't different. have that. Yeah, but as a customer, I would maybe find that annoying. Yeah, that's hap- That's only happened to me one time, and it was pretty frustrating. Yeah. Um. With that said, do guided trips. They're expensive. I mean, compared to buying some flies and doing it yourself. But if you really want to support a local fly shop, book a trip with them. Split it with your buddy. Go with your parents, girlfriend, wife, whoever. Yeah, and honestly, too. If you do a guided trip with someone and you're on the boat with them all day talking, they're going to tell you other great places to fish. Oh, yeah. I've had – I've, I, it has been worth it to book a guide if I know I'm going to be in a place for three or four days because I know I'll book it for the first day and then they will let me know where I should go the rest of my time. Yeah. And it's great. That has paid off for me. For sure. It's worth it. And, and even when, you know, it might be 400 bucks or whatever it is for the first day – but then after that, I mean, like if you break it up over the course of, you know, three or four times you go yeah. out, you know, it makes it worth it. Yeah. And, it, you know, if you're wor- going with the guide and, you know, you're tipping him at the end, they are more than like every time I've done that. And I'm like, mm. especially when I did my Wyoming trip, I've actually become really good friends with a couple with two guys in particular mm-hmm. at the Four Seasons Angler in Wyoming. And I'm coming just from a customer perspective. I've gone up there. I've booked a guided trip. I've talked with them, gotten to know them, and um, they've let me borrow gear before. You know, when, gone up. when I've when I've gone up, I you know I took my um, pontoon boat up yeah. with me, and I forgot a pump. They let me borrow a pump from their shop. It didn't fit, so it didn't end up working. Yeah. But, but still, the thought was still there. Yeah, for sure. Because. I was nice to them. I spent, and I'm not spent talking. I spent like outrageous money, but I booked a guy a trip, bought a hat, bought some flies, yeah. and you know they pulled out a map and showed me where to go. And those places 
have paid off for sure. So yeah, so book a I would say book a guide if you can. If you can't though, which I totally understand because there's a lot of times I can't afford a guide if mm-hmm. I go on a trip. It's um, expensive, man. Yeah, yeah. it does, it, and it adds up. Like we we can budget for probably two two guys a year, and we're fortunate that way. And a lot of people can't. You know, they may be able to budget for one every other year or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say just go in with a nice attitude. Try to buy something, or definitely buy something, and then. Um, and you know, hey, if it works out, if you catch fish, what they tell you. Uh, come back. Thank them. You know, I've heard bring a six pack. I don't know if that really runs. I've never gotten a six pack. Right. But, but I've, I've gotten donuts and that was pretty damn nice. Yeah. So, I mean, like, <laughs> you know, like you can always thank them that way as well or come back in and buy more stuff, yeah. you know. What do you think, Cliff? You've been oddly silent. You have opinions. I really don't on this one. No. <laughs> like, whatever. Uh, you agree with the sentiment already said? Or? Yeah, I do. But I, I think that's the case for really any shop. Well, you know what's funny? Because, like, I've had the same experiences for non-fly shops, mm-hmm. like, last week when I was in Gulf Shores. I went to, wanted to get into diving, didn't know where to really go. I went in, I just started talking to the guy and looking around at different products and stuff, ended up buying a snorkel and... First day, let's split it up that way. Uh, first day, went in, bought a snorkel and uh, some other like typical gear for free diving and spear fishing and stuff. And I mentioned that that's what I wanted to do. And he suggested some spots to check out. And then the next day, I was like, Yeah, he, he tried to sell me some fins the first day. And I was like, Nah, because I'm going out with like my family and I really want to like kind of hinder myself and I didn't really think of them as that important and uh, so I, I leave the shop I go and I do my my dive with my family and whatnot and hang out and then the very next day uh, I go up there pretty much as soon as they open and I start talking to the guy again I was like hey man those are that was a really cool spot I checked it out Really enjoyed it, but you were right on the fins. So I'm going to buy new fins now from you. And so I got my fins and everything, and he told me another little spot to check out. I didn't end up checking that one out. It was a little too far for me. But uh, we talked about it and got a lot of great information out of it that way. Mm -hmm. I I think the sentiment that you are trying to explain, but you are putting it because we are a fly fishing podcast – is really can be decided upon anywhere. Uh, good sport, my relationship with good sport here in San Antonio is very much very similar. Granted, I'm not getting hunting or fishing spots out of them, but they're great people to just know and talk to. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I need gear recommendations or something, they're like, we don't have it, but I can get it for you. And then it's there within the mm-hmm. week. Yeah. They, if you're nice to someone and you respect them, they tend to bend over backwards to help you out as mm-hmm. well. As long as they see that it's not a one-sided relationship or you're just using them or something like that, or you've put in at least some amount of work, they're way more gung-ho to like progress your knowledge and help you get out there and do the things that you're claiming you want to do. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. If you go in there with a chip on your shoulder, like, 
I'm the best thing since fly fish in fly fishing since Tom Rosenbauer. I'm the best thing since left pallet or, or whatever it may be. I'm right. the best thing since uh, Stephen Ronella in hunting. Right. If if you're acting like that, then they're going to be like, yeah, right. And, like, and, so and I that's do it. get I do get your sentiment. I totally do. But I think just like obviously like I love the fly fish, but I also have lots of other hobbies. But there is a stigma that even if I, I can go to any other shop with a great attitude, and I go into most shop like I don't ever go into a shop like that with a chip on my shoulder. I go in looking to spend money. It's just not more often than not, but fly shops might are more likely to have somebody who's going to have a bad attitude working there before they know if I'm going to spend money or not. Well, that's you know what I mean. Like I think that's why. It's a different conversation mm. about fly shops because, like, I've been into other stores, and if I go in with a great attitude, I'm most likely received with a great attitude. Whereas at fly shops, that's not always the case. I I could see that. I, I I think that's then the retail employee at the fly shop having a chip on their shoulder for sure. But I mean, it happens. Like, I've been to cons- there's it. even a fly shop here in San Antonio that kind of similar situation. You know right, what I mean? and none of us go there anymore. Right, but I'm saying like it's. It's not just like if it was one fly shop and one employee, I would totally get it. But it had like I can think of like three instances where I've been into a shop and I've been like, man, like if you weren't the only shop here, I don't know if I'd come back, you know. And I've gone in like spent money and been extremely friendly and knowledgeable and done my research before. I think that it's a fly shop issue, not issue, but like it's. It's something that is about people who work sometimes at fly shops. Mm-hmm. I just don't see it in that pl- pl- pull out. Yeah, I no, I, I, I just hey, I but get you, it. You know, you, you guys all met me at a fly shop, so why don't you guys stroke my ego a little bit? We're all friends now. Right. What turns you on to the fly shop that y'all frequent? When you told me that you had a boat, I was like, this guy. You were one to use me. <laughs> No, not really. No, we just hit it off because we went to the same university and you were really friendly. Yeah, I mean, the same thing for me. Mine was because I didn't go to the same university. Um, I had good experiences at the shop, a sister store in my home area. Mm-hmm. And then was actually bummed that I was going to lose that because I gained a wealth of knowledge there because I was just starting out. So from zero to everything I knew coming out here came from one friend and this one shop. And then moving out here, losing that friend, not losing that friend, but him not being around here and like knowing how to fish Texas, I couldn't rely on him. That shop wasn't here, and neither was the sister store. So meeting you at Alamo Fly Fishers, which I got into Alamo Fly Fishers to help build that community around me. Because, Mm -hmm. again, I moved out here knowing no one, so trying to build a community even from the ground. Um, And then you coming in fairly close to the same time that I started going in, and then realizing what you did or where you were going to be opening the shop and stuff and saying, Hey, I'm from this area. I knew that y'all were coming, but I didn't know when, when's it opening and talking to you that way. Um, 
and then you taking a interest in helping to try and teach me to fly tie and then get it, get me involved in through volunteering and uh, just being a good dude at the shop and fun mm. to hang out with. That's how we became friends. Yeah, I think that's all good. I think just if both ends, people are respectful, it's a win-win all the way around. Yeah, I guess I would say that if you go in as a customer and know that you've done a little bit of homework, you know you're going to spend some money, and you are nice and friendly, it might not always work out. You know, sometimes they might give you the spot that's not hot, or they may be a little rude. There's jerks that's just, in yeah, ev- everywhere. That's, and that's a great way to look at and it. There's, there's jerks there's and everything. There's cool, solid dudes. For sure. Or... There's good, solid people everywhere as well. Yeah, and I would say for every, you know, rude person I've met working at a fly shop, there's been two or three people who have been awesome, like, hey, like, yeah, let's, like, how can I help you? Let's, what are we doing, you know? I will say, let me just throw this caveat out. If you come into a fly shop and someone offers to help you and you say, no, I'm just looking, don't get mad later on. When, when someone right. when someone's not helping you because they they tried and you put the onus back on yourself to for ask sure. for help correct oh yeah because definitely. I have had situations where I we greet everyone that comes in the store ask them if they unless we're busy then we try to like meet up with them later right. um and I've had people like get mad because I wasn't helping them like right at the moment when they needed it but I had like checked on them like two minutes earlier. So, you know, just if you say that you don't need help and you're just looking around and checking it out, you don't need any information, if you want help, go ask for it and for people sure. will help. Yeah, no, I, I fully Too many people that. are like, those standard response when you go into a store is, no, nah, I'm just looking. And then, then you know, then they get mad when later. no one's around. Yeah, I get that. Um, so just, just keep that in mind, too. If you want help, ask for it. And I will also say uh, one other thing that's really frustrating. I think I, like, covered this on one of the previous episodes. I don't remember how we got in the conversation. But, um, you know, fly shop employees don't really like to be quizzed. It comes off as, like, super disrespectful. So, like, don't try to, like, quiz your knowledge versus theirs. And that there's also a lot of ways to catch a fish. And... A lot of methods and a lot of things work. You know, some people dry fly fish, some people urine, some people streamer fish, some people do everything. And generally when, you know, a fly shop employee may not urine, it may not be the way that he likes to fish, but he still has a lot of knowledge. And so, like, don't count someone out because they don't tinkar a fish or they don't do the exact, they don't, like, only throw streamers. Yeah. They like to fish dry droppers. Everyone likes to fish the way they like to fish. And, you know, myself and another employee, Sam, we fish very different techniques, very different types of waters. You know, if you added us both together, we would have, like, a majority of Texas fishing covered, but we're two totally different people. We fish for fish with different techniques. We like to do different things, and that's perfectly okay. Um, and, you know, just because a fly shop employee tells you one way to catch a fish doesn't mean that's the only way to c- catch a fish. Yeah. They're going to be sharing with you the way that they catch fish and the flies that they use. If you were to ask me and Cliff. I think that that can go both ways, though, because I like Zach said when he was talking, I've also been into a fly shop where or 
other places where they're trying to quiz me to get my knowledge and yeah. like almost you feel like you're belittled being belittled like Oh, because I don't work at a fly shop, I know nothing. No, or, no, oh, no, because I don't go out every weekend. I would say I know that's nothing. happened. That, I've I've experienced no, that. I would. Okay, so there's two ways to look at that. One, they're trying to belittle you because I've been the local fly shop in town. The other one has made me feel like right. that. There's also the other side of things where you're coming in for information, but maybe the shop employee needs more information from you for sure. to help give a recommendation. So if they're like, I wouldn't say like quizzing your knowledge, but like asking you like informative questions to investigate what type of fishing you're doing. You know, if you're trying to buy flies, they yeah. might need to know what weight rod you're throwing to give you fly recommendations that are castable right, on that rod. Right, but those are inquisitive questions about the gear and your style not, oh, well, have you ever fished this river before? Or have you ever been here before? And, like, trying to, like, stroke their own ego that they're right. better. I, mean, I feel you, like you, you can, can, you can, can tell. tell right you can off tell. the bat. You can tell. I wouldn't say it's a specific question because I might ask you, Cliff, you're like, oh, I'm going to the Lano River. I'm like, well, have you fished the Guadalupe River before? And you're like, uh, yeah, I fished the Guadalupe. I'm like, it fishes very similar. To the, you know, like, that type of question might be, but the way it comes off can be the determining factor. And I'll say too, I mean, like, I would still everybody. say that the way that you portrayed that just then, and it could be predisposition of knowing you and what knowing the topic we're talking about and discussing it, um, that still comes off extremely way nicer than ways that I've been approached yeah, before. Yeah. Oh, like, I just came off as way nicer. Yeah. Yes. Well, that's how I would ask it. Right. Right. But the there's shop. other people who are like, Oh, you're you're fishing that part of the Chattahoochee, or oh, you're doing this. Oh, well, what about this river here? And it just it comes across as extreme arrogance. Yeah. It, it, well, a lot of times yeah. too is that it'll be like um, I'll be like, hey, so I was doing some research online and it said that maybe going here. And they're like, no, that's the worst place to go. Why would you go there? Like I've had a guy tell me that before. Oh, you know. That reminds me of the store, man, and it all revolves on the other fly shop in town. But when I first moved here, I went over there to check them out and ask them questions and stuff. And um, I was just like trying to get places in San Antonio to fish, which to be fair, in San Antonio is a very hard place to find good fishing spots. In the city, for sure. In the city. But when I went over there, I was like, hey, I just got off work. Um... Or, like, I think I was just, like, visiting San Antonio. It's actually before I moved here. I was visiting San Antonio, and I was like, hey, I have, like, two hours to kill. Like, we're somewhere, like, 30 minutes or less that I can go fish. And they were just, like, laughing at me. It's like, the only good place to go fish is trout on the Guadalupe, you know. And I was like, well, how far away is that? They're like, oh, it's probably an hour and 15 minutes. I'm like, yeah, but I just, I have, like, two hours. Like, where can I go wet a line? Oh, the only place to fish is trout. Is The only good fishing is trout on the Guadalupe. Well, that might be the only good fishing, but, like, where can I go wet a line right. and, like, not catch a fish for an hour, you know? So, <laughs> like, I I, I understand, yeah. like, your guys' perspective on that. They're like, man, there's this golf course nearby that, you know, just... You <laughs> no, know. seriously. It's good, yeah. Seriously. All right, guys. Well, I think we're at time. You guys have any, like, closing remarks, like, any good zingers to close on? I think you were going to go into something else, and then I kind of cut you off. I don't remember what it was. I lost my train of thought. Just be respectful. 
to them, and they should be respectful to you, then everyone can live together in happy unity. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, that's just be respectful on both ends, and yeah, you know, you'll get good information. You know, they'll make a little bit of money, and the fly fishing world can go on. Sounds good. You have something to say, Cliff? You're looking at me like you have a comment. I was trying to come up with a smart aleck comment. <laughs> Couldn't come up with anything. Oh. All right, guys. Well, we will see you next week where we are probably going to talk about how to find better fishing spots like because the fly shop employees won't give them to you. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right. Bye, guys. Y'all come back now, you hear? Well, that was terrifying.